Welcome to Good Business, a weekly podcast to help you create a business that is good for people, planet, and your profit line. I'm Chris Edwards. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I created my first business when I was 28 years old, and that business is a lifestyle guide to Singapore, Hong Kong, and Bali called Honeycombers. Today, we employ over 30 people across four countries in that business, and we have over a million unique visitors to our websites every month. Last year, I founded a new business called Launchpad, which is a community movement designed to support entrepreneurs who aspire to create conscious companies. Launchpad today has members across six countries, and we run between 15 to 30 events every week. We do masterclasses, coaching, and connection calls just for our members. On this podcast, we're going to explore the ups and downs of the entrepreneurial ride and understand how successful and clever innovators and business leaders bring people, planet, and profit together to really create better businesses. I want to know, what does it really take to create a heart-led business? Join me, and together, we're going to find out. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that I'm recording this podcast on, which is Bundjalung country. And I pay my respects to the elders past, present and future. And I extend my respects to all traditional cultures. Okay, let's get into it. Wouldn't it be great if we had a green Alibaba? I mean, think about how many products are sold or purchased every day on Alibaba. And imagine if all those products were sustainably sourced and verified. Well, that's exactly what my next guest thought about when she created her business, Teora. Law Gilbo is the co-founder of Teora, and she shares with us today her journey, which really started at LinkedIn, where she was a senior member of the team for many years. And then she branched out and started her own business, a sustainable fashion business, where she then discovered this massive pain point of trying to find sustainable supplies for her fashion business. And that's where the idea of Teora came about. I really enjoyed this chat today. Laura is a fascinating and wildly ambitious entrepreneur with really big vision and dreams. And I'm quite inspired by what she's managing to achieve in 24 hours a day. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Law, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really can't wait to dive into this conversation today. I think uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Let me try this again. Teora? Teora, perfect, yeah. It's a really interesting name. Teora, so my understanding of Teora, your startup, is your inspiration is to be a green Alibaba. I hope, I hope I've summarized that in two words well, but maybe you can explain to our listeners what is Teora and, and what problem Teora is trying to solve. It's um, in parts of it is. So we are a B2B marketplace that connects sustainable suppliers with brands globally. Um, And so we work with companies like restaurants, uh, we work with fashion brands that are looking for sustainable suppliers that are 
certified that are verified by us. And we kind of connect them so that they can transact directly on our platform to purchase these products. So that's kind of the marketplace side. We also add impact data on top. And that's where we kind of different from an Alibaba, where we also want to provide environmental um, data on top of just being a marketplace. So yes, a little bit like an Alibaba, but with impact data on top. That's going to be quite revolutionary because I can imagine a lot of the challenges people have with what they're wanting to do is just finding suppliers that are ethical and sustainably minded. How do you know that who your suppliers are are sustainable and ethical? So we have a very kind of strict vetting process. It's about 20 questions where we ask all of our suppliers to show us their certification. So if you're um, a fashion for example, fashion supplier, and you're telling me that you provide organic cotton, we would look at, do you have a GOT certification? Um, we also look at things like water cons- consumption, CO2 emissions. So we ask a lot of different questions um, in order to make sure that everything they're saying, all their claims are actually true. And there's kind of no greenwashing. So our main goal is really to avoid greenwashing and all of these sustainability claims that a lot of people can't really um, can't, ver- can't really verify. Um, so really bringing transparency to the process. Your background for many years was in LinkedIn. I think it was six years in LinkedIn before you decided to. I was eight years. Eight years, eight years. Sorry, my bad. It's a long time in LinkedIn. I imagine you would have seen a lot change in the eight years that you were at LinkedIn. Uh, now it's become probably one of the biggest business platforms or social media platforms there is. What has that experience of eight years at LinkedIn brought for you as an entrepreneur? Um, That's actually a good question. I actually, so I've seen LinkedIn change from eight or it was 10 years ago now. 10 years ago, it was really a job posting platform, I would say, um, where people would go on LinkedIn to find their next job, their next play. And then it's really moved towards now being more of a content platform. Um, So yeah, there's been massive change. But one thing which I always used to tell everyone is I always saw LinkedIn as kind of a startup. Um, and then we got acquired by Microsoft. So it was kind of a startup within a massive organization. But the way the, the, the leadership and the organization was kind of built was really, it really felt like a startup where you're really empowered to make decisions, make changes. Um, so while it changed a lot, I loved my time there because it felt like a startup in a, in a way. And so you were allowed to experiment? Definitely. Um, so I actually had about seven roles, seven different roles in eight years while I was there, more or less uh, very similar roles, I would say. Um, and so I was part of what is called marketing solutions, which is the advertising arm of LinkedIn. And I did a lot of different roles. So account manager, I then became an actual manager, um, like a, a team manager there. Um, and I, and every single time it was kind of me going to leadership and being like, okay, I think this is time for me to change role or um, or move location. So I actually started in London. After a year, I moved to Singapore. They then moved me to Hong Kong um, because at the time there was a, a position there that I thought was interesting. And then they moved me back to Singapore because my husband needed to be in Singapore. Um, so it was a super flexible leadership. And yeah, they, they would really empower you to, to make changes in the company. So interesting. And so where did the idea for Teora come about? So Teora initially was not actually my idea. Um, so I have a co-founder called Himmel. He is based here as well in Singapore, and he came from a very different background. So he was at Accenture and PwC, and he is a triathlete. 
and he was trying to create an athlete shoe brand, a sustainable athlete shoe brand. And he realized it's extremely complicated to find suppliers that, like we talked about earlier, that you can trust, that are sustainable, that you can verify. And in parallel, we didn't know each other at this time, but I was creating a company called Kind, which is a sustainable apparel brand. Um, and I was facing the same challenges. It's very complex. There's thousands of options. If you go on an Alibaba, there's m- or millions of options. Um, and you can't really verify a lot of the claims. So we were introduced through a common friend about a year ago um, and kind of discussed these challenges. And that's kind of how Terra started. Yeah. Okay. And you're still running kind at the same time. And you've only... I am. Yeah. And you've also been heavily involved in another role at Ecomatcha as a head of digital. How are you managing all these um, balls in the air? Um, I, I mean, I don't have a magic recipe on this. It's actually complicated. And um, there's moments where I'm thinking to myself, oh, it was nice to have one role at LinkedIn a while back. I would say for me, it's really time management and blocking my time. And I always tell my team members, block your time. And also when you, if you see that my time is blocked, don't put meetings in there. And really having maybe four hours a day for a specific company or a specific task, and then the, the rest of the day for, for Terra, for example. So for me, time management is probably the biggest one. Um, and it sounds cliche, but the, the fact of blocking time in your calendar, I think that's, that's the key. The second one is having systems for me. And so, for example, if so with Ecomatcher, I would do all of the digital marketing and using systems like Hootsuite, where you can schedule in advance and or blocking your time. So again, it goes back to the time management, blocking one hour a day to just write captions and then scheduling them so that everything is kind of automated and having systems in place. For me, that's that's my best way to be kind of effective and productive. Mm. Do you have any other system tips? So Hootsuite's one. What else do you heavily rely on? Hootsuite's one thing that I rely on a lot is, so I'm a night owl, so I do work late. I do work very late, but I don't want that expectation on my team. So I would schedule emails, for example, so that while it's still fresh in my mind, even if it's a little late, I know it's not a great tip. I'm not saying that anyone should work late, but that that works for me. I just schedule things so that it's actually sent the morning after. And so my brain power the morning after can be on something else. Yeah. And then you sound really smart at nine o'clock in the morning, don't you? Exactly. (laughs) 8.45. 8.45. I really find scheduling emails a really good tip actually, because I think a lot of people don't know it's so easy to do in, in G Suite. And I do it as much as I can as well, because I'm in a different time zone to my core team. So I'm, but also on the weekends, I'm exactly the same. I'll have an idea and I'll go, I'm going to lose this or I'll just write it in an email and schedule it for, but yeah, I sound really smart nine o'clock on Monday. I mean, I suppose that's really interesting that you had or you have kind that your apparel business and that's led you to understand this big problem for anyone who's trying to create a business with sourcing ethical suppliers. So you are your own customer in that sense. So where are you at with Teora now? Yes, exactly. So we've spent the past year really building a pool of amazing suppliers. So at this stage, we have about 75 verified suppliers on the marketplace, which is about a thousand, way over a thousand products by now. Um, we've also spent the past year building the actual marketplace, which has been a little bit of a challenge with like with any tech company. And we are currently in beta testing with suppliers as well as a few buyers So we are just doing a lot of technical testing to make sure that everything, all the processes are in place. And early next year, we'll actually launch the marketplace to the public. 
Wow, exciting. Are you also in the process of fundraising at the same time? Yes. So we've been bootstrapped until now. We've just raised a first round kind of pre-seed, which is very exciting. And next year, yes, we'll very proactively um, be raising funds. Oh, exciting. And do you know how much you want to raise? We are looking at about 750K. Okay. And will you be very selective about who the investor is? Like, is it as much about the money as it is about what else they can bring to the table? Um, I, I mean, obviously the, the, the money side is interesting, but I, I would love investors who understand sustainability, um, because it is still a pretty new space. Um, and we've been talking to investors who are super interesting because they, they know other companies who are doing things that are complementary to what we're doing. So I would say investors who are kind of, who have a good understanding of sustainability. Okay, great. Tell me what's been the hardest thing so far? The hardest thing um, as an entrepreneur, I would say kind of recreating myself has probably been the hardest for me. After eight years with the company, I kind of, I was known for what I was doing within my, my, my company. So I kind of had my signature, which was advertising, content marketing, and kind of completely pivoting to a completely new topic. I would probably say what has been the hardest for me because there are moments where I'm thinking no one knows me for sustainability. They might think about me for content marketing, but no one actually knows my credentials for sustainability because that's something I kind of learned on my own. So I would say for me, that's probably been the hardest. And sometimes the most stressful is like, am I going to be taken seriously with this new topic? And how have you gained that knowledge in sustainability? Um, that's a good question. I So I research a lot. Anyone who knows me knows that I spend my time researching and learning. I think it's there's so many different avenues. So I, I'll, get, I'll give you an example. I'm now vegan. I've been vegan for four years. And it started because I watched the usual Netflix shows that everyone is talking about, the cowspiracy, then these kind of things. And it kind of all started there. I just watched something. I learned through data. And I just heard a lot of data, obviously, around climate change and the impact of the food industry on the planet, for example. And this is where it all started for me. And and it's just, yeah, just reading more, reading books, doing this LinkedIn learning classes about sustainability. So I kind of took all of them to kind of level my, my knowledge of it. And what would be your advice for someone who wanted to learn more in the sustainability space? What's been the most useful or helpful tool that you've used? So I would say one thing that I'm starting to do now, which I should have done before, is network and just talking to people who have the knowledge. I relied a lot on kind of content online. It's way faster to just talk to people who actually is already in the space. So I would say probably just build your community in the space because you learn a lot faster. Mm, That's a really great tip. And I definitely am a person that learns from talking and listening. And I, I think I take a lot of joy out of meeting new people and being challenged by what you believe or what you know in a conversation. So that's really nice to hear that you're finding that as the fastest way to level up in a new area. Yeah. And I would have to say Launchpad has been awesome for that. Oh, yay. Because there's there's (laughs) quite a few members who also work in sustainability. So it's been nice to meet, and especially women. There's a lot of men entrepreneurs, let's be honest, and finding finally kind of a group, obviously there's a, there's men and women at Launchpad, but it's been nice to meet other female founders who also work in sustainability. So kudos to, to Launchpad. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. Yeah, we're definitely, 
actively trying to attract anyone in the conscious business space because I think it is a really new space and it is tricky, you know, like you can very easily do some missteps, particularly around not understanding or positioning yourself as something that you're not and being tarred with greenwashing. You can also be too scared to be out and proud about what you stand for because you're fearful of being tarred with greenwashing. So it's a really, it is a tricky space to navigate. This podcast is brought to you by Launchpad, a community movement for conscious entrepreneurs. If you're seeking a sounding board, advice, masterclasses, or maybe just looking for a network of people that are in your corner to support you, come to thelaunchpad.group website and check it out. We'd love to meet you. And what are you doing at Teora to help people understand your positioning? Like, have you considered B Corp or is that something that you're you're looking at? We have, and we will definitely apply at some point. Right now, we just want to set up the company and the, and the marketplace to be at a stage where we get users and we get feedback. So the priority has really been more on the, let's get the product out. Once that's out, once we have feedback from the, from the market, then we'll definitely go for, for a B Corp. That's the goal for us, for sure. It's exciting. I think B Corp is really exciting for Asia because it's not really, you know, there's only 26 B Corp companies in Singapore at the present moment. So it's it's really early days, but that's a really great opportunity for entrepreneurs because they can be the, the first and they can be the leaders and they can be the shining examples of, of what B Corp means and can do for your business. Um, I wanted to ask you, with all the uncertainty around us and impending recession, the climate crisis, there's a lot of change at the minute. What are you most concerned about? Is there something that you think people have their eyes wide shut on right now? Oh, that's a good question. There used to be a lot more conversations on sustainability. And I do think that some companies now might be kind of putting the pose on it a little bit, which I think is a shame for a lot of different levels, but it, it is a shame for companies actually, because with government regulations that are coming with raising demand from consumers for sustainable products, if companies put the pose on all of their sustainability initiatives, they're going to be left behind in the years to come. So I would say on, on a personal level, I'm concerned that there might be less investments in sustainability and less commitments. And then on the kind of professional level and business level, I'm concerned that some companies are just going to be left behind if they don't put it as a priority now. It's a hard balance because the Short-term priority might look different, but the long-term impact might be massive if you don't make it a, a goal right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think I think there is a massive wave of change coming. I think the young consumers today, like the Gen Zers we're up to, there are going to be a lot more demanding of what they want from a company and a product. I think you're in the right space, but I think everyone's going to want to be not just choosing great products, but choosing great products from great companies because it's so important to have that value set aligned. So it's a very interesting time, I think. I think it's a very pivotal moment, especially post-COVID. COVID has had a big, I suppose, almost reckoning with what people are, are focused on. Yeah. And and I feel like it also depends on, on regions. So I think in Singapore, we talk a lot about sustainability but we're not seeing as much action. So what we would love to do with Teora is really to bring the action to sustainability and make it make it simpler. And I think that this topic has been so complex. 
even for people who work in sustainability. So for companies who might not be focusing that much on it, I think just simplifying the process and bringing action to it, that's that's really what we want to um, to accomplish with Teora. Mm, that's perfect. I love that. Okay. So I want to jump into some rapid fire questions. I'm wondering, do you have any business advice or mantras that you roll around in your head that kind of keep you going, keep you motivated and moving in the right direction? Um, business advice, which I've, all, I've always said, even when I was in corporate and now is be the owner of whatever you do. I don't know if you know the book, The Startup of You by Reid Hoffman. It's a book that basically talks about how you can kind of apply entrepreneurship to your own role and just become an owner of whatever you're doing. So yeah, I would say my, um, my business advice has always gone back to that book, which is see whatever you're doing, whatever job you have as your own startup and be the owner of whatever you're doing. Mm, that's great advice. And I presume that's kind of the mantra that you had at LinkedIn and why you were able to enjoy such an entrepreneurial experience in a corporate, which I think is quite rare, to be honest. It is rare. That's why I um, I love my time there for that exact reason, because it always felt like you were the owner of whatever role you had. So if you're in sales and you have a book of business, your book of business is kind of your startup, you're the owner of it. And it is rare. Like you said, it's rare in, in such large companies to feel that way. Mm, cool. Okay. Next question. Which of these expressions resonates for you? Luck favors the open mind or fortune favors the bold? I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> this is the French in me. I don't know what that means. Luck favors the <laughs> So I think for me, it's like as an entrepreneur, you need to look for opportunities and think differently and use your mind to be creative. But you also need to be really bold and take action and take risks. So I suppose I'm asking what's more important? Is it the mind or is it the action? Ooh, I'm all about action. So I would say, yeah, be bold, take action. I'm the same. I feel like even if it's wrong, at least you know. You know, like I feel like so many people spend a lot of time worrying about what might happen. Well, if you do it, you'll know, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, be bold. Okay, great. And tell me, what does community mean for you and your business? Have, have you used community as, as part of your strategy? I'll be honest with you, only in the past few months, I've really proactively done it and it's changed everything for me because being an entrepreneur, and it will sound a little sad, but it feels lonely sometimes, not in the, in terms of not meeting people, lonely in terms of this, what I'm doing is very specific. And sometimes it's nice to have people that you can share challenges with or your goals and just brainstorm. And so I do have a co-founder, which is amazing, but still it can feel a bit lonely if you don't have other, like I said earlier, female founder friends, for example. So for me, community has changed everything. And I will go back to, to Launchpad, just even if I'm not always active, let's say on the groups and everything, just hearing all of everyone's challenges, see what they're working on, it inspires me. So community has been everything for me in the past, I would say three to four months. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'll have to um, send you a check later for this uh, lovely endorsement. <laughs> Sponsored by Launchpads. <laughs> <laughs> this was not set up, but I'm loving it all the same. And tell me, have you, I mean, I know it's very early days and maybe this is something that you could reflect in one of your other businesses, but I'd love to know, have you got a, a business collaboration or a partnership that you've done that's been really successful for your business, for your business or one of your businesses? I'll be honest with you on this one. At, at this stage, we don't. 
We are early days on a few partnerships that could be amazing. So an example with Terra is the way we think about partnership is, so we, we've built two partnerships, one in India, one in Indonesia with NGOs. And the goal of working with NGOs is they know small micro manufacturers around India and Indonesia that might not be certified. They can't afford a B Corp. They can't afford the certification, but these partners can kind of verify all of the sustainability claims from the smaller suppliers. And in this case, the, the way I see the impact is more the social impact. So you might have small communities of women in villages in India that might be making amazing products that we could sell on the marketplace, but in theory, they're not certified. They are not certified. So in theory, they might not qualify to be on Terra, but because we now have these NGO partners that go and kind of vet all of these small village communities of artisans, we now have really cool suppliers on the marketplace that we usually would not have had access to normally. It's kind of too early days, but that's kind of how I'm thinking about partnership at the moment is um, NGOs and foundations that do amazing work in countries that can't necessarily afford all the certifications. Yeah, that's amazing because I think also you're the gateway for people to find these people and for these people to actually have a business so you can have massive impact with bringing buyers to these small artisans. That's really cool. Uh, tell me, do you have a favourite business book or um, a favourite business podcast? Oh, I don't have a favourite business podcast. I don't know if it's a business book, but the book that has completely changed things for me business-wise is Quiet by Susan Cain. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've heard about Quiet. So Quiet is about the power of being an introvert. And it's not introvert versus extrovert. It's really teaching you the science between be, uh, behind what it means to be an introvert. And I read it at the beginning of my career. Um, and she has a lot of angles around how you can apply it to business. And it kind of gave me the confidence of being, okay, I am introvert, but that's also okay. I can be in sales despite being an introvert. There are a few tricks to being very successful in sales, despite maybe not being the loudest person in the room. I would recommend this book to anyone, introvert or extrovert. Oh, I love it. I'm definitely going to read that one. And my last question to you is at Launchpad, we believe a rising tide floats all boats. And I'd love to know if you have an entrepreneur that you think we should interview on this podcast. That's a very good question. Um, I would recommend, so I, um, you mentioned it earlier, I do digital marketing for a company called Ecomatcher, which is a tree planting technology company. I would recommend the CEO, Bas Brunson. He's very knowledgeable on technology, tree planting, sustainability, and I think he could uh, yeah, bring a lot of value to your audience. Great. Well, Bas, if you're not listening to this, you should be, but I'm going to find you and uh, see if you'll give me half an hour, an hour of your time. Law, I loved our chat today. I think it's really inspiring what you're doing and I'm very happy to hear that Launchpad has been a support to you because we need more people in the world creating businesses just like Teora. So thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Three things I learned from this episode. One is that you can upskill really quickly through networking. So consider that next time that you are thinking, oh, should I go to this networking thing? It could be a really fast way to upskill and help your personal development. Two, introverts can be excellent at sales. I did know this, but it's really nice to be reminded. 
And I think it's a really good message for anyone that is an introvert that actually often you can be even better at sales because of your listening skills. And three, I really loved the way Law makes it sound so easy that she's actually running so many different tasks across three different business entities at the same time. And she does that through really great time management. And I find that really inspiring. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and you feel as inspired as I am to create your own good business. Thank you for listening to Good Business. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Selfishly, I created this podcast for my own personal growth so I could go deep with entrepreneurs that truly inspire me. Of course, I also wanted a wider listenership to think about having impact and our wonderful community at Launchpad where we're all aspiring to create better businesses together. If you have enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to leave a review or perhaps share this podcast episode with a friend. That's how podcast episodes get discovered. And I would love more entrepreneurs to think more deeply about their business and about creating a heart-led business with a bigger impact than just profit. And I'm sure you would too. So go ahead and post something on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook and spread the word. I will be forever grateful. Thanks again for listening. And I hope that you feel as inspired as I am to create your own good business.